Welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast brought to you by The Rollup, a media and education company that provides high quality, actionable insights and information on all things layer twos, rollups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha, and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in the DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial, exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. They are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in Arbitrum. Visit their website, buffer.finance, and take a look at all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling, blockchain tech, and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX protocol is happy to be on testnet and will be on mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX protocol on Twitter, as well as on Crew3 to get more information about what's going on on StarkNet. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast. Excited that you're here, and thank you. Uh, before we jump in, I just want to give you guys a quick couple words about our lovely sponsors who make this show possible. First, we have Metis Network. Right now, every Layer 2 optimistic rollup uses a single sequencer to run their network. This creates a large security and decentralization risk. If that one sequencer goes down due to a malicious actor, seizure by outside authorities, or anything else, the results could be catastrophic. Soon, Metis will launch the first ever sequencer pool. By spreading sequencer duties across multiple parties, Metis will decentralize the most important function of a blockchain network, combine that with their network of block producers and validators, and Metis will become one of the first truly decentralized layer twos using a decentralized sequencer. These sequencers will be required to stake and lock a minimum of 20,000 Metis tokens, which effectively ensures that they will act with the network's best interest in mind. I'm pretty excited about this personally because during DevConnect, we listened to a lot of talks about decentralizing sequencers, and even Vitalik gave a talk about the roadmap to decentralized sequencers. The more that we can push this innovation forward, the more that we can push this ethos of decentralization forward, it makes the entire ecosystem better. So thank you, Metis, for supporting the rollup, and we look forward to seeing this come to fruition. Good on, guys. Welcome back to episode 114 of the DeFi by Design podcast. Uh, welcome to the bull market. Chris might not believe it or my actually likes to go by, but I'm telling you it's here. So fade him at all costs or else he'll talk your ear off about math for an hour. <laughs> but today we're going to dive deeper and we're going to go into some, uh, I think really the the weeds about uh, omni-chain lending. I mean, I think there's different types of lending that's happening and um, yeah, I'd like to really dive into the weeds there, talk about what Curvance is doing. Um, and yeah, we're here with Rob, of course, but we're running low on time. So we're going to skip right over to my, my, you had a background being a quant, um, doing some on-chain, off-chain math uh, work. Uh, how did that kind of lead you to, to, to coming to build in DeFi and Curvance? 
Yeah. So my background historically is in, well, first, thanks for the, the intro. I love the 114. Holy shit. You guys have uh, really been doing, cranking these out. That's awesome. So love seeing the the triple digits there. But yeah, my uh, my background before crypto is in traditional finance. So I worked at hedge funds, building uh, systematic trading algorithms or asset managers, building a lot of like machine learning models, um, general statistical models, stuff like that. Working with a lot of like big trades, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars. And like, how do you effectively buy or sell those positions when, you know, that thing might not have changed, you know, traded in the last two weeks or something. Uh, a lot of like very um, exotic, like, fixed income debt and stuff like that so yeah uh during covid actually i started looking i always had an interest in crypto stuff because i uh when i was in undergrad in engineering before i went into finance uh, i spent a lot of time in undergrad like messing around with, like bitcoin mining and stuff like that with some of my uh housemates and you know we didn't really we didn't do anything massive there we didn't make a ton of money or anything but it was pretty interesting and then i kind of uh signed off from the industry for a number of years as I went through, you know, into finance and then graduated, did my master's, went into, um, you know, TradFi and all that. And then during COVID, dove back in and, and found it pretty interesting because I saw a lot of, um, you know, articles and literature about all the cool stuff people were building with like DeFi Summer and stuff like that. And it felt like it matured a lot and, and it was actually becoming something interesting. And to me, it's really like, one of the two industries it's like crypto and ai that are actually building like new interesting stuff instead of um you know kind of business as usual like minor improvements so to me like i want to build um compelling interesting like stuff that actually changes you know an industry people's lives like the future to me that's a lot more compelling than like just trying to make like you know a lot of money or like climb the corporate ladder or whatever so um you know it's just been an industry that's really captivated me the last few years very cool yeah thanks for for taking us through the background and kind of leading up to like what you guys are doing now with with curvance um you spoke about how you kind of like refound crypto um and and specifically like on-chain finance and DeFi during during uh COVID. Kind of pandemic and, and COVID, like what what was like the the portal? Like what was the entrance point where you're like, all right, this is gonna be the rabbit hole that I I dive deeper into? Like what what was that entrance point? And then how did you ultimately find curve in? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. So for me, um, just the way I like learning about stuff is just to jump in with both feet. So I have a background, obviously very heavy in like um, statistics, you know, programming, building stuff, right? Like a, a software engineer, um, you know, mathematician background. And uh, for me, it was like, okay, well, how do I, if I'm interested in this stuff, and and I saw a lot of different stuff, like, you know, DEXs are interesting, like AMMs and money markets and, you know, people building like permissionless, like options platforms, a lot of this stuff that like requires a ton of people to underwrite or to, manage and like traditional finance people are now programming with code and to me that was interesting so it's like a whole basket of stuff like that like chain link and you know like a lot of things like yearn and these kind of now are considered like the ogs but at the time we're really like at the top of their you know game in terms of like proliferation of their technology um 
so for me, it was like, okay, I, I want to learn Solidity. I'm going to just like go through like, you know, looking at people's code, you know, messing around on like YouTube, just writing stuff myself. And I just kind of spent like day and night when I wasn't working, uh, learning and teaching myself a lot of Solidity. And then as I felt more comfortable, I offered to volunteer in a lot of different DAOs. A lot of those DAOs are now like defunct, but um, as, as with most like, uh, you know, DeFi summer, um, you know, volunteer DAOs and stuff, but you know, I, it was an opportunity for me to really jump in with both feet and learn and just get exposure. Um, you know, all, all that stuff I did for free. So it was really just like for the love of the game there. And through that, you know, experience writing, uh, stuff, volunteering, writing stuff, I ended up doing a lot of solo auditing as well. And that's, you know, also helped me refine my craft and then, you know, just helping people build like their own projects as like a dev for hire and things like that. Um, it's just like, I don't want to say like a notch in the belt, but more and more experience that kind of compounds um, into something where just, you know, I'm able to refine my skill set, start building my own contract formats, making really efficient stuff, building cool tech. And that really snowballed um, into around May of last year. And I was introduced through a mutual friend um, to my co-founder, and he had this idea for Curvance. Um, it was in original, the original form was like this third layer on top of Curve, Convex, and a few other platforms like Badger and Yearn. And that took, um, you know, like it took a lot of people's interest, but it was something that was difficult to build at the time just because there wasn't the technology like in terms of quality oracles and all this stuff. Um, so I came in and obviously I have a more web two experience background. So I was able to kind of clean house and actually start scoping out building uh, Curvance. And it was one of those things where we went through this whole bear market. You know, we had, we were like trying to raise money at the time. And then you have like Luna collapse, then FTX, like everyone's like, everything's going to zero. So we kind of, um, you know, made it through with like a, a shoestring budget and a dream, really. And over time, we've been able to see what's been successful in the industry and what's not. So um, I use the example of like the the ship of Theseus, where you're basically replacing one plank over time. And by the end of the voyage, the whole ship's replaced. And it's like, is this even the same thing? And to me, that's kind of what Curvance is. Um, it's really become like my baby over the last 18 months here. So it started as this like high level, you know, kind of optimizer for a few different ecosystems and now has really become its own like juggernaut of a DeFi primitive. Um, now it can basically handle like any DeFi yield stuff, any money market um, functionality, like, you know, everything from AMM, LP tokens, perpetual exchange, AMM token or perpetual exchange LP tokens. Uh, interest-bearing stable coins, LSD5 products, liquid restaking, like everything. Um, any ERC-20 token, basically. Permission, permissionless, and so on. So that took forever to build. Uh, we built pretty much all of our code from scratch. And we were able to, like I said, see what's been successful, what's not. So um, a lot of like the crises that people have gone through, like, you know, keeping the DeFi protocols... Um, you know, alive and growing and, and try to make them thrive. We've been able to look at that and like improve, um, upon those models as well as like, um, you know, throw out what we, you know, had in our original design that maybe wouldn't have worked as, you know, well in the more mature market. 
and we're pretty happy where we've ended up. It's it's really become this like huge juggernaut and something that I really didn't expect to get uh you know so involved with. Um, if you told me I'd be doing this like three years ago or something, I would not have believed you. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious, like, like starting from the concept of, of building a, a third layer on top of curving convex, convex, um, like, could you describe the things that you inter, like that you interplay with them? Like how, how would curvance as this third layer? And I realize that it, it's changed quite a bit since, sure. since that initial concept, but could you, could you describe like that first, uh, use case as that yeah. layer on top of convex? And then, and then we'll maybe we can talk more about like how you generalized from there to incorporate like several other applications and, and different token standards. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, um, in that original form, when I came in, the vision was to basically be able to take like curve LPs or like yearn assets or badger assets and then basically deposit them into Curvance and it would behave akin to like a typical money market, um, all like a Ave or a compound, or at that time when uh, my co-founder originally came up with the idea was cream, right? So now you're really far back. Um, so it, it would have essentially been like a basic money market for those assets. And then your rewards just pool like you were in that, um, you know, platform. It just essentially is the same experience, but with this like added utility of like the, the money market, you know, collateralizing, barring against it, leveraging it. Um, kind of akin to like Gearbox at that time I w is the example I would use. But uh, yeah, it, it was one of those things where... It's really funny. I, I don't mean to interject, but like we now have this entire like liquid staking narrative for ETH, uh, for like uh, ETH staked invalidators. And there's still like all of this like locked up liquidity in LP tokens like you're describing. Like you have that curve LP token. You yep. don't really have the mechanism to make that liquid. So, so by providing a money market where you can deposit this LP token, now you have the ability to kind of make it liquid where someone can borrow against it and you can get liquidity, whereas otherwise it would have been locked. So I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, th I think that's no, no, it's phenomenon about unlocking liquidity. Yeah, I, I, there's a few different angles that we've looked at it. Like one is definitely that like kind of unlocking as we describe it. It's like, hey, you can just collateralize anything now. Right. Like we could very easily adapt our code to support like NFTs and probably like a week of development. Does that mean we're going to prioritize that on day one? Probably not. But we could do anything um, theoretically. So it's one of those things where we could really offer like this whole new universe of opportunities for people and see what people really like. And then we could double down on that and build greater support and, um, you know, like keep maturing that that vertical. Um but yeah, it was one of those things where like, as I was building this, I was like, well, this is like a really expensive process. So we should make these things auto compound, right? So that you don't, you just have your assets natively auto compound. That's going to get you better yield. You're not going to have to pay, especially because when we were first looking at this, like gas was still really high, right? So it's like, okay, most people don't want to pay a hundred dollars to claim $70 in rewards. That would kind of suck. Um, so I was like, okay, well, why don't we make this auto compounding? Well, now that it's auto compounding, everyone's assets are together. Well, now we can abstract that away. And then why don't we support balancer stuff? Well, why don't we also support like Pendle stuff? Well, now we should start looking at other chains because now we can support all these like really 
performant like DEXs and you know different um, implementations. Well, a perpetual exchange LP token is basically the same thing. So why don't we support those too? And then you you keep you know going down that avenue. It's like, well, we could just support anything, right? Like we could support the most basic assets of like wrap Bitcoin or Link or Uni or Maker, or whatever you want, but also like these very structured you know products like where you're talking about like ondo finances like treasury bills or um you know like all these different like uh almost like index fund tokens like uh like glp and stuff like that we can we could support pretty much anything because of the vault design and we try to take that vision with everything um you know that was like the first major breakthrough for us was like let's just support everything and then the second was kind of pulling apart the current view of Omnichain where it's like I have tech that it you know can function on one chain and then I'm going to make my token Omnichain and I can call it Omnichain like the whole protocol now that's not really in my eyes like what I would call Omnichain like so one that's kind of like a captured term so I I've been using this term that I call like cross-chain equivalence now so it's like you know, well, yes, like if you want to move like the CVE token back and forth from chain to chain, you could do that. If you want to, you know, have assets on Arbitrum and then get them on Optimism, you could borrow them on Arb and then it's going to send them right over in that same transaction. So you get your assets on another chain. Well, if we have like gauge voting via like voting escrow uh, models, well, why don't you let people vote from one chain to another or for any chain, you know? Same thing with like fees. Rather than having people lock tokens on one chain and they get the fees on that one chain, why don't we aggregate them all together? And then now you could get fees on every chain, which is pretty cool for you know a lot of these emerging chains. And it's been something that a lot of these different chains that we've um, talked to have been super excited about. So you just keep like abstracting away a lot of the um, you know rough edges in in what we see in DeFi today, and I think it helps um you know break down the barriers of like integrating and using DeFi products right like you think about the average person that just bought like eth on coinbase and then they move it over to their metamask and they're like okay what do i do now you have people that in the last cycle would look at youtube videos for like LPing on sushi swap or maybe they're reading a medium article for how to use like how to provide liquidity on gmx or Maybe even there's like long Twitter threads, like you guys even, you know, do some content on this. It's like, here's how you can, you know, do these different strategies or here's this cool tech you could use. What if we could like abstract away a lot of that and make it so like maybe your grandma can't do it just yet. But, you know, any kind of normal um, DeFi curious person can. So suddenly you don't need to go on Twitter and figure out where the best DEXs are on that chain or how to bridge over to base or you know, do all these different things. If we just handle all that complexity for you, I think it ends up just being a lot more enjoyable because who wants to open 10 tabs to do some complex operation when you could just open one and use Curvance? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, on the last point, the all-in-one model is definitely becoming more popular. Aave just put on put swaps on their platform. I know other lending markets have integrated DEXs and bridges all into their, their their platform, which is like a huge thing because again, like going to four different apps to bridge, swap, deposit, lend, borrow, swap, rebridge, <laughs> re, re, 
utilize some other app is just a lot. A time twister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let alone and, doing it. Right. And then and then on the um uh on the omni chain concept, I think you're totally right. The the uh what like the 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 projects that we have right now that are like cross chain omni chain are like close, but they're not like that true definition. Um and so uh, Catalyst is an AMM that's coming out. That's that's going to be like fully fully cross chain just by design with their code. You guys will come out um, as well, and then you know we'll see uh, your implementation either with Wormhole or some other kind of uh, technology, Axelar or or one of these to enable that. And yeah, that kind of deposit on one chain, borrow on the next, uh, all in one transaction, get get used liquidity across different chains to get the best rates on DEXs, things like that feels that we're like getting really close to that. I think that's going to be a 2024 thing. And that's something that, that in 2020 we, we were kind of like dreaming of. And then we had like Aave go to Polygon and we thought that was the coolest thing ever that you could bridge the Polygon and still use Aave. And now it's like, we're going to use all these different chains uh, in, in this way that you described. And then the the final thing is you brought up um, uh, Gearbox, which ha- Gearbox just recently put out a, a really cool uh, uh, V3 credit account abstraction model. And I'm curious from your perspective on the protocol side, uh, what you think about the dilemma where we have, basically there's like two or three dilemmas. One is how do you ensure users don't get liquidated basically? How do you ensure that users come back and pay off debt? Um, and how do you ensure that users don't take their funds that they borrowed from your app and go use them in some absolute degen pool, thus you know, without your lenders knowing? And then obviously you know, they get wrecked. Right, that's what happens. You know, I go on Aave, I go on XYZ, I borrow, I go ape it into some meme coin. Uh, you know, it goes to zero. All of a sudden, I bet this borrow on Aave, I just walk away. Obviously, I borrowed less than what I had in collateral, but if my collateral also goes down, obviously there's liquidations and things. But what I was getting to was Gearbox is doing basically, uh, they're implementing uh, basically a smart contract wallet with a uh, allow list of of DApps that uh, their borrowers can. Uh, go and use so there's like an allow list of smart contracts so like so if you borrow some stables against your ETH you're only allowed to go to these X Y and three highly trusted secure DApps and then there, there's also a mechanism wherein you can code the wallet um, but but it's the the repayment is guaranteed over some time or or some sort of, of mechanism so yeah I'm curious like how you plan to, to tackle the those two main problems and then. If account abstraction in that sense that Gearbox is doing could be a solution or or is uh, something that you're thinking about, um, yeah, yeah. So first off, I do love that the Gearbox guys are still grinding. They're like one of the OGs, so I love to see people keep at it and, and you know keep innovating. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, as they would say, for that. For us, um, I'm not saying we aren't, you know, looking at those types of models like account abstraction and stuff like that. But the way, you know, as you you talk through that, I kept thinking like, well, a lot of that is like handled around like how do you offload risk, right? Because you have these lenders that basically are the counterparty against them. So if, like you said, if someone's just buying a meme coin that goes down to, you know, zero in like four seconds, it's kind of hard for them to pay back that loan, right? Or um, if they like get wrecked somehow, they click on the wrong link or, you know, what, whatever, or, you know, some scenario where they get wrecked. Um, for me, the, trying to protect that bad debt effectively. Yeah. So there's two ways that we've, um, approached that I'll, I'll start first with liquidations and then the bad debt side. 
But on the liquidation side, we came up with this new, what we call like this dynamic liquidation engine. And what that does is typically money markets have this um, dilemma, as you highlighted. Either one, you want users to, well, you want people to use your, you know, app and make sure that they don't like feel like they're getting scammed, right? Like getting liquidated really easily. But at the same time, you need to make sure that if volatility hits, like, you know, Gary Gensler, you know, arrests Vitalik or something and ETH goes down 30% in a millisecond. Like, how do you not have the whole thing blow up, right? Because um, a lot of times there's no real offset for bad debt and these different, um, you know, issues that could arise from like insane volatility. So for us, what we did is we built this like um, kind of dynamic system. So rather than typical money markets have like a liquidation level, where if you hit that level, then it closes out some percent. Usually it's around 50%. Some really protective platforms do 100%. Um, or, you know, maybe there's there's some other numbers in there too. I'm sure everyone has their own blend. Um, for us, we built this kind of liquidation region that I call it. I, I, I'll call it a band, but it's um, different than the Curve USD band system, um, which is a, another good model out there. But for us, essentially, um, as you hit the top band, it does like a soft liquidation. So that's going to be a lower penalty, lower close factor, like smaller amount of assets closed out. But as you seep into the region, if you're not getting liquidated, maybe price is moving really quickly or, you know, MevBots or users don't think that it's worthwhile to take on that debt. Um, the penalty gets larger and the, the amount of the position that can be closed out increases until it hits the bottom and then it could fully close you out. So what that does is like if someone is just, you know, um, in like kind of basic assets with like normal risk parameters and, um, you know, like there's not a ton of market volatility, maybe they tap that soft liquidation, but they're not going to feel like they got ripped off because it's like a small amount of collateral and the penalty wasn't too bad, right? But if there's really violent um, volatility, like when the ETF, the fake ETF news hit, and then it went up a ton and then down a ton, like that person probably will get slammed much harder, but we don't take, you know, like the lenders don't take on any bad debt from that. So it, it accomplishes like that kind of like kindness to the, you know, uh, borrowers, but also doesn't like slap the lenders with any major risk. The other side is if somehow bad debt does accumulate, maybe the move is like so violent and there's not enough um, on-chain liquidity or like gas spikes to 10,000 or something and it's just not worth it for people. Um, there's a way to socialize bad debt in Curvance. So one of the one of the typical problems is like there's really no way to handle bad debt because no one's going to liquidate it and give you money for free. Um, so a lot of times it just sits there. So then essentially it's a, a race for the exit, right? So if there is a million dollars in bad debt, which would be a huge amount, but just for argument's sake, and there's $10 million in that pool, that means the last 10% of people that are getting out, they have nothing, right? So there's this like game theory aspect. Well, now because there's bad debt, you don't want to be left holding the bag, so you're going to leave. Um, but with this, essentially, it can be handled like a natural liquidation, and then it just offsets, essentially, the exchange rate on that token for lender. So it socializes it. Rather than the last 10% of people getting slammed with like 100% loss, in that like really bad case, it would offset the value of everyone's um, lent assets by 10% um, from that 10 million down to the 9 million. So... Now that should 
be much less frequent, if ever, on curvans, but it's important to have those kind of escape valves um, for those like really dangerous like black swan events. Yeah, we, we've seen those happen. Like anytime there's a lending market, um, like an issue, that it tends to be with some sort of like pricing. Normally what we've seen is that it, it's due to some illiquid collateral. Um, and what tends to happen is that if uh, you're able to uh, deposit some collateral uh, that's illiquid, it's so easy to pump the price and like artificially like increase the value of the collateral that you have on the market means that you can borrow all of this liquid value and then go sell it off. And then, you know, whatever happens to the illiquid price happens. So I'm curious what the, what the Oracle like solution for that is when it comes to LP tokens, is it a matter of like looking at the contents of the LP tokens? Like, like most easily understood is probably like an ETH Bitcoin pair on Uniswap. Um, that ETH Bitcoin is, if it's a V3 pool, it's a, it's an NFT. That NFT doesn't have like a very liquid pool of liquidity that you can just sell off somewhere. So do you look at like the contents, which would be the ETH and the Bitcoin inside that LP, quote those, determine a value for the LP and that's what you treat as, as collateral. And, and if so, like how, like what? What is the Oracle solution to to kind of like do that calculation with low enough latency that you can still make liquidation? Taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors. Right before we get back to this fascinating discussion, we have a message from our current sponsors. Here we go. I want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor, Premia Finance. Premia is a native options protocol that offers market-driven pricing and capital-efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With Premium, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. What sets Premium apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premium has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. Feel free to check it out at premium.finance, hedge your risks, or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital efficient returns on previous findings. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plana Finance. I've recently been onboarded as an advisor for Plana Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Plana Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless user-friendly experience. Planet Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, with Planet Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Planet Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. Yeah, that's that's a good question. So um, a, a lot to unpack there. So I'll, I'll kind of um, break that question down a little bit. On the Oracle side, we built um, this pretty comprehensive uh, Oracle system. I call it like a pessimistic Oracle. So what it does is we're able to take in prices from 
any different Oracle provider. So that's like, you know, on-chain ones like Curve and Balancer and Uniswap and whatever. But we could also take in price feeds from like Chainlink and Redstone and, and all these other different providers. And we could basically aggregate um, any two that we want. And then it takes the better of the prices for the lenders in that case. So if it's valuing collateral in which someone in your example, maybe it's like this USDC or you said ETH, um, Bitcoin, um, LP, it would look at the value of those underlying assets from both of those feeds and then pick the lower one and then aggregate like, okay, well, the LP exchange rate is blah, blah, blah. And then it's going to take the lower price of that. And then maybe they're borrowing USDC. And I mean, generally USDC, USDC should be worth a dollar, but it isn't always as we've seen. Um, it would take the higher price on the on the lent asset side. So you're taking the lower price um, in terms of the valuation of that collateral and then the higher price in terms of what that person owes. And that, while it's not a huge differential, it does help in like very volatile periods where there is like gaps in pricing between different, um, you know, whether it be exchanges and on chain or or just, you know, decks to decks. And um, it also has logic in there um, with the what I call like the traditional finance equivalent would be like circuit breakers. So if someone is trying to like pump the price and manipulate the oracles, if the prices diverge too heavily, um, currently it's 10%, but this can be configured and maybe it's, you know, um, closer in the final release. But if the prices were to move more than 10% away from one another, it pauses borrowing. So in cases like uh, like Mango's protocol, where you had highly profitable trading strategies, it basically locks down um, any borrowing from that because um, not only do they need to you know manipulate the price, they need to manipulate on um, you know different dexes or centralized exchanges, and then not only do they need to manipulate it um, in a more comprehensive manner, they also need to make sure that they're manipulating those sources in such a way that they don't diverge. So um, in a lot of our kind of internal analysis, it could take anywhere from 40 to 40 to 50 times as much like initial capital to manipulate prices. And at that point, it's just not worthwhile, right? It's, it's easier to go to like some other party and try to like attack them. Um, the second piece there is on the collateral itself. So we look at on-chain liquidity. Um, more specifically, we look at the offside of the liquidity. So for example... Um, I'll use the example of ETH, um, but say the majority, obviously ETH is very liquid, so maybe we pick like a less liquid token. Like recently Curve, um, the CRV token had like that whole pool kind of disappear. Um, so a lot of the liquidity was in like the CBX CRV pool and some other pools on Uniswap and such. Um, so we can look at the offside where maybe you're looking at an asset like, um, you know, CRV, but the pool is kind of um, slanted, especially for paired assets like with CVX CRV. So maybe the pool is like 80% on one side or, and 20% on another. Or Balancer even has pools like that just naturally. You don't care that there's, you know, say $10 million in liquidity if there's only 20% in something that you really want to get into, like a less um, a liquid token, a more liquid token. So then we would say, okay, well, there's $2 million in that like offside liquidity and then we would take some percentage of that say 30 percent so it's like okay collateral would be capped out for that particular asset at six hundred thousand dollars now of course those numbers are very depressed but um in general it shouldn't massively impact needs of people 
because what we also do is we've moved to this um like hosting collateral model akin to what you'd see on like a perpetual exchange or a centralized exchange and what that looks like is you could deposit an infinite amount of assets to like yield farm maybe you're farming like curve lps or like CVXRV or something on balancer or gmx or pendle or whatever um you could farm in a limited amount we don't care but if you want to collateralize that asset and borrow against it there are uh collateral constraints so when you're posting that collateral we check up at what the outstanding collateral for that particular asset in that particular market is um and that allows us to cap what the market exposure is to lenders so you don't have that situation of someone just taking you know 10 million dollars of an asset or or even a million dollars and they manipulate it up to 10 million and then they deposit it borrow a bunch of stable coins and you know go on their merry way it doesn't work um another piece that we added to that is we added a 20 minute minimum to both collateralization and on um loans so a lot of like the kind of manipulations, you know, I don't want to go onto Twitter and see like a Peck Shield tweet about us, you know, like Kermans, you got to check out this contract. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> but when, uh, when people create these positions, there's a 20 minute minimum time frame. So any of those flash loans where people fund a wallet with like, you know, a hundred dollars from tornado cash, and then they go to Ave and they borrow $50 million and then manipulate the price of this like super complicated, you know, attack and then steal millions of dollars. That doesn't work at all on Curvans because the flash loan breaks because we won't let you take the assets back out um, in under 20 minutes, essentially. So it's actually pretty similar to what GMX's GLP does, um, the V1 where it has the 15 minute minimum. So um, we're, we've kind of looked at all these different stages of like, how can we get bopped and then avoiding each of those uh, scenarios. Yeah, it must be nice to uh, <laughs> to fail three years after everyone gets bopped, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what's been a huge help to us with the bear market because we keep seeing like the same, you know, okay, these guys got hit with some reentrancy attack, or this was a price yeah. manipulation, or this was an empty market attack, and I'm not going to go into like all these individual scenarios, but you see the same ones popping up over and over and over again, and we've taken a lot of time to look at all of those issues. And basically go down the list. Will we get screwed from this? Do we have, like, is this possible in Curvance? How do we fix this? How do we avoid that? Uh, and so on. Yeah. I mean, before we, before we kind of wrap up the next five, 10 minutes here, we'd like to talk about the strategy that you guys had uh, to kind of really onboard a lot of different DAOs and community members within DeFi, um, whether it be with your raise, which we can touch on, and just with your general partnership angles. And how you feel that's going to help you, um, and, and, you know, what as you launch, and uh, also kind of what that could look like uh, in the next year or so. Uh, you know, how you see Curvance integrating with all these teams that either invested in you or that you guys are currently in talks with to partner with, uh, you know, one way or another. Sure. Yeah. So for us, it's been kind of like an everything approach with them. We don't want to just like be like, hey, we're going to support people's stuff and can you retweet us, right? Like that's a very shallow, and and sometimes those relationships are fine, right? But like a lot of our core, um, you know, like strategic joint ventures or collaborations, wherever you want to call it, to us, those are ones that should be like an all of the above approach of like, 
you know, we're doing co-marketing, obviously, but like you're also invested in our seed round and you're putting TVL like assets in. Maybe you're moving some of your protocol and liquidity. Maybe we're co-incentivizing stuff. Maybe you're reviewing our code, right? So who better to audit our code? And obviously we're going through a ton of audits, but who better to look at and review our technical solutions than the people that wrote that code themselves, right? The, the code that we're interacting with. Um, or like, you know, different, um, you know, things like maybe integrating them with our test net or, or, or different, um, you know, events, right? Maybe it'd be like, maybe someone puts on like a trading competition, right? And, and people can LP through Curvance is this like, now they're building out liquidity too. Cause we offer a lot of tools to these different projects. I mean, especially, um, CDPs like, you know, yeah, what are some of the ones on. in particular? Yeah. So yeah, so we've already um, got a lot of formal investments from, you know, a lot of CDPs like Frax and, you know, uh, well, now Redacted is launching their Dinero and that's like a CDP. So, you know, the, those are like two of our lead investors. Um, we had a very non or unconventional route for our raise. We didn't like go heavy with VCs and stuff. Um, we did get offers a, a little over a year ago to like just fill out like a big you know, juicy seed raise round, um, expand the round, sell more tokens, you know, we could have gone that route, but we chose not to. We wanted to be much more strategic. So all of our um, major investors are like either the DAOs themselves or angels at that DAOs, um, at those different DAOs or protocols or whatever, or maybe like small LPs that would, you know, participate in a larger round. So we've gotten like a lot of participation from like angels. Like I have my scroll shirt on, you know, scroll participated, Polygon, Wormhole, um, a lot of different platforms um, that we're really excited about, whether it be chains, you know, infrastructure or the dApps that we would um, work with and kind of champion ourselves. So that's been like one really easy way to align with them is like, you know, Confluence. It's like we're not just building in their shadow, we're building alongside them. Right. So we're helping them, you know, expand, mature um, and really get their feet under themselves so they can they can keep, um, you know, pushing the envelope on whatever their goals are. So for us, that's been very strategic. And a lot of these teams we've been working with um, for like over a year now. So I would say a lot of the massive like CDP providers um, are pretty interesting um, to us. So they're, they've been ones that we've been talking to a ton as well as like perpetual exchanges like GMX and MUX. So um, those are the ones that were predominantly focused on on our launch, as well as some, um, you know, I'll, I'll call them uh, like trailblazers, like Pendle, um, that are building some pretty cool tech, but it's not really, like they don't have a ton of competitors. So they're kind of off on their own island in a lot of ways. So um, supporting their stuff has been really cool. The Pendle guys have been great to us, and we also have an angel um, contributing to Pendle as well. So, um, you know, hoping to help these guys, you know, build out liquidity, improve the utility of their tokens, like being able to just engage in those ecosystems in a really easy way. And and I hope that eventually people become confident enough in Curvance that they're like, if this is, you know, call it blessed by Curvance and that we have confidence, like, we've done our due diligence, we've vetted the team, the contracts, we've audited our code, we've looked at their code, made sure they have good audits, made sure the liquidity is good. Like you could have confidence in this thing. Like that's where we want it to be eventually. Not like, 
you know, any advice. It's not financial advice, as they say. But, um, you know, we're only trying to work with like the cream of the uh, cream of the crop. We can support any asset, but we're choosing to support the ones that we think are the best. And oh, <laughs> yes, sir, Rob. We're friends with the we're friends with Pendle. The whole yeah, I'm friends with everybody, Rob. You know, <laughs> very popular. <laughs> we yeah, uh, I, guys. <laughs> yeah, this, this was lots of fun, Chris. I mean, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like uh, having you on and learning more about the, like the generality of of the tech, because ultimately, like, it, I, I I love the the strategic approach that you said, like. The fu to VCs, like we're gonna go the route where. All right, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, I mean, I and and I'm sure it was it was like a friendly fu, but it's like there's there's like more value that that can be provided than a check, and by working together with the partners that live on chain, then you become closer and deeper partners with those with those, and and it does go beyond the check. It goes to the the co marketing and the co incentivizing and the the reviews of the code base. Yeah, or even just building tech together, right? Like we'll build on top of their tech, but you know, there's also a lot of projects that we're talking to that want to like build stuff on top of Curbance. Does that pan out? I have no idea. But you know, it's like much more. It's a lot easier when you're like joined at the hip in in more ways than just like you know, um, well, we got to do something, so we should support your stuff. Eh, that sounds okay. You know, it's like much more like we're we're excited about the future, and you guys are too. Yeah, and then you're building it together, which is yeah. is like there's there's something at stake um, for for both teams, and it's like all right, you kind of like both when both teams put you know money where their mouth is. Um, there's a common interest and a common goal, and I think we're all able to like go further together. Um, so it's it's really cool to see you guys take that route. I know we're we're running we're running up on time here, so the the final question that we got, unless you got another minute to to stick around, and I can stick around. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I did. I do have another question, like a little bit more in the weeds. Um, so before we, we kind of wrap up, my my curiosity is in is in the yield, because like with with regards to any any money market, letters sure. are going to go where the best yields are. So for LP tokens um, and and like this question, I think we can get real creative because sure. we're all, we're all kind of degents here. So like <laughs> there are strategies that come out like when you can when you can borrow LP tokens. I think this is part of the new primitive element that you guys are helping to unlock. So my my first and foremost question is like, where does the yield come from? Um, does it come from token emissions or does it primarily come from interest that borrowers pay? Um, yeah, we can, we can start there. And then I'd love to get into the strategies of like borrowing LP tokens, cash and carry. Like we can, we can, yeah. 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 So um, on my end, you know, it was much more like we don't want to just build like we just give you a ton of tokens and you do whatever like that kind of like I, I don't want to use the term Ponzi, but, you know, like the kind of like a mission driven yield. We do have our own gauge system and um, we've done a lot of innovation on that front, but I'll start on like the asset support side and yield before getting into that. Um, so we can support like yield bearing assets in full, i.e. LP tokens like you highlighted or these like interest bearing stable coins, but it doesn't have to be things that just give you emissions. So it could also just be like wrap steeth or um, like 
Ondo, you know, USDY, or even just wrap Bitcoin and stuff, right? Like you're not going to get any native yield on wrap Bitcoin for it just sitting there, right? So we can also um, like deposit those assets, but there's always a trade-off, right? Like we could go to the highest and best like yield, but maybe it's a very like new and un, um, you know, like kind of unstress tested platform, right? So it's like, to us, it's much more important that like you have confidence that like nothing's going to blow up and that everything's going to, you know, when you go to bed and you wake up, like your stuff is still going to be there. That's the most important thing, even beyond like just trying to squeak out that last bit of yield. So we are going to be working with like the best, you know, platforms to generate yield for these like underlying, you know, LP tokens and, you know, the different, um, you know, like assets, you know, you, like futures related stuff like Pendle and all that stuff. But um, there are also those more, as I call them, like primitive assets that they just sit there. So in some cases, it is an auto compounding like vault. It's like a step in for um, you having to claim it every few hours or, you know, weeks and compounding it. But in other cases, it's more akin to like a basic money market, like a Ave or a compound or something like that, where, you know, yes, we could also deposit it under, uh, you know, into Ave under the hood or something else and squeak out a bit more yield. But now what happens if um, utilization goes 100% on there, right? Now you can't get your stuff out. Well, that's not good. That's not a model that we want to build on top of. So in some cases, you could really pick what your risk profile is right is is you know like what what is your risk tolerance and then you can kind of like do you want to go like kind of that more degen route as you said like lp tokens or like um you know like some of these more newer assets that are a bit more exotic or do you want to just like you know i'm just bullish on bitcoin so i'm going to just put wrap bitcoin in here and i'm going to borrow usdc and i'm going to go buy a car right you could just do that too um or you could like do a lot of these leverage strategies as well like we've built native leverage in so you can like leverage up and leverage down in a single transaction like you would a perpetual. So because there's no open and close fees on this stuff and you're paying interest on your loans, uh, um, it actually, in, in some cases, if you, if, you know, liquidity is really deep and you're not worried about, um, you know, slippage and such, you could use it to almost like perp leverage, um, you know, some of these positions. The other thing that's really helped with that is we've removed what people call rehypothecation. So one of the biggest worries that a lot of people have with these like really risky assets or exotic assets like LP tokens and stuff is like, well, what happens if someone borrows it and then maybe they just try to like send that token to zero, right? You just borrow all the LP, you unwrap it. So now the LP is tiny and you just nuke that token down to zero. Well, now, you know, you just like <laughs> you've exploded your collateral there, you know, um, so now you or well, your debt in that case, and so now you've made a bunch of money, right? So you've kind of like drained that project. We've we've pulled all that out. So like if you're depositing an asset or you're collateralizing it, you cannot like have people borrow that asset. And if you're lending like a USDC or like ETH in an LSD market, then you're not going to be able to borrow against it unless you're depositing it on the collateral side. So it fixes a lot of those um, like tail risk pieces. Um, and that allows us to like, be much more aggressive on things like collateralization ratios, liquidation rates, what stuff we're supporting, how the markets are structured, because we could do isolated or cross. Um, I mean, we basically could do anything and, and we've pulled apart a lot of like the the risk, you know, the, the tail risk there that makes us um, uniquely 
positioned to support a lot of really cool stuff with like a lot of really cool features. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Isolated marketing. Us. Go ahead, Andy. I look forward to seeing it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be pretty cool for a lot of people to start messing around with this. We've spent a lot of time, even outside of all the contracts, we talked a lot about contracts. But the other piece that we've spent a ton of time on is like the user experience. So, you know, I have obviously um, in the last since like COVID, I've been my own like DeFi DGen. And, and really, at the end of the day, I've built like the app that I would want to use myself. Um, and we've taken a much more like Web2 approach to the DAP where it's like communicating a lot of information, a lot of quality of life in the app. So you can do stuff really easily, like even just the leveraging piece. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys have used a money market. Maybe you want to like leverage up on something. You got to like deposit it. You got to borrow it. You got to go to a DEX and swap it. Then you got to deposit it back in. Then you got to borrow more. You, yeah. Like you just, you're doing like 15, 16, 17 transactions. <laughs> no, never, never did anything <laughs> like that in my life. Why would we have to do that? <laughs> but but, you, but say, you can do all that stuff super easily. Yeah. In, yeah. So on, it's like, are you planning to have it on the site, like on the DAP, like all within it, like swap, bridge, yeah. buy, sell? Yeah. Yeah. You could do everything, like, basically. Yeah. So if you want to, if you're like, I want to go bridge to Arbitrum from, you know, Optimism, like you could just use Curvance instead of like going to, you know, like whatever bridge yeah. your choice. Or maybe you don't even know the right bridge to how do you get to base, right? Or, or how do you get to scroll? Or, you know, a lot of these platforms that are like, you know, a bit newer people, the knowledge is not quite as like out there. Right. So like we can kind of help with that. So, you know, we've spent a lot of time looking at like the, the typical web three DAP and, you know, they serve their purpose, but I think a lot of UI UX is kind of broken in web three where it's like, there's this huge burden of knowledge, even when you're talking about like yield opportunities and stuff, one of the things, and this probably won't be in it when it's live, but it's something that we'll be working on, like on the roadmap is I want to get the um, basically information to people on like what opportunities are out there. So maybe you're in like a Steeth ETH LP pair on like ETH and you're getting 4%, but like you could actually get 13% on Arbitrum in Camelot or something, right? Well, wouldn't it be awesome if instead of you having to like go to Camelot and check out the rates and then go to, you know, base and check out aerodrome and then go to velodrome on optimism and then you're going to like you know um all these different chains and dexes like oh what's curve on this chain what's balancer on this chain like it's it's a huge amount of work right so why don't we have behind the scenes something that just like does some analysis on it says okay so based on the rates on DeFi llama or whatever you can get 13 percent by just moving over here, you don't have to change what asset you're in or anything. If you want, you could zap out of the position, bridge over and zap in. We'll queue up all three transactions or all two transactions and you're good to go. It's very much a web two oriented uh, philosophy to give recommendations to people. Like you scroll on any, pick your social media application, like 95, 99% of that is all recommended content and recommended transactions and strategies i think follows right along with that strategy that mindset yeah it, it's very cool to see that like brought to light yeah i i think we got to be careful of like 
you know, the like recommendation, you know, aspect to it for sure. But, you know, I think if we if we could like just have it like easily discoverable for people where they can just like poke around and it's just like, hey, you have these opportunities out there. Um, I think that's going to move the needle a lot for people because like instead of having like 10 tabs open, you could just have one, you know, and then it's like it's your swapper, your bridge and, you know, like all your money market and yield farming. Um, so it really becomes like this everything app for DeFi. Cool. Any other key roadmap items that that audience and people listening should be aware of to like just kind of like keep track of, you know, whether it's Q1, Q2, TGE, any other roadmap items that you think people should be aware of? Yeah. So, um, you know, we've we've really been turning on like the the engine, if you will, in in December for, you know, things like the seed round announcement and white paper and all that stuff. Um, you know, we're going to be running a test net starting hopefully towards the end of December. But if partner integrations take a little bit longer, it might bleed into January um, and people will be able to try out like the full app. And then we're going to be moving towards like a beta release, um, either in February or March. And that's going to be uh, basically live on Ethereum mainnet. Um, there is like an, uh, a minor incentivized airdrop for the testnet, as well as participation in the beta. You get streamed uh, call options in both. And we are exploring like a referral program in the uh, beta release as well. Um, after four weeks, we'll be moving into what we're calling like the official release. And that's going to be where it goes multi-chain onto, you know, still on Ethereum, but also Arbitrum, Optimism, Base, and Polygon ZKVM. We are also looking at additional chains such as like Scroll, um, you know, Mantle, and a lot of other uh, parties like ZK Sync and stuff. It's unclear, you know, when those rollouts for those different chains would be, but it's very much, again, we're very strategic. So we're in contact with these different teams and seeing, um, you know, what that rollout would look like and what makes sense for everyone in terms of priorities and everything. Um, but we do plan on having like a wave two, wave three approach for different chains, different assets and everything. But um, the goal is really to, if you want to like borrow or lend or you want to just yield farm, we probably support it. That's the end goal. Um, and we do plan on having like an incentive market for like vote escrow on CVE um, we have built some really cool tech around streaming incentives with different projects. So things like Arbitrum Stips um, have been really successful. So um, it's even easier to set up all that stuff on Curvance. So instead of you having to build out these models yourselves, like airdrops via Merkle trees or you know building your own contracts to stream rewards, you could just set up all that stuff on Curvance without any code written, which is pretty, I think, compelling because um, people can create incentives on both the collateral side but also the debt side so maybe you you're generating a ton of money on your yield farming strategy great like you might want to just get people to lend against you so that you could like lever up and and do more of that strategy well you can incentivize the other side or maybe you're in like a more um long-term you know stable position where you just want to get some additional yield on top where you could vote for your own stuff or stream your own um, incentives on top for that pool. So a lot of really cool strategies um, in terms of how uh, different incentives are provided to people. And we're also going to be, uh, you know, as a, as a last piece here, we're also going to be open sourcing a lot of our tech around like the cross-chain sharing fees, cross-chain, cross-chain gauge voting, 
um, and like the Oracle system. We're aiming to open source a lot of that stuff. So I think it moves the needle a lot. We are spending a crap ton of money on audits. So for a lot of teams out there that maybe are looking for the next step or innovation or improvement for their own tech, um, it might be worth you know worthwhile to check out the Curvance innovations on that front. Sweet. Very cool. And for anyone who is still listening and, and towards the end of this video, you're a legend uh, for making it this far. Uh, pretty deep uh, in that in that last answer that Mai gave, there was the word airdrop. So I just want to make sure that that was heard loud and clear. Um, but yeah, Mai, you're, you're a legend in your own right. So thank you so much for coming on. The, the last question as, as um, I think we're, we're about ready to wrap up here is that uh, we asked this to all of our podcast guests, all 113 that came before you. So uh, if you were stuck in an elevator um, for, you know, however long, a minute, two minutes, if you had to, if you had to talk to one person and give them, if you had a curvance pill, one person, who would you, who would you choose and why? That's an interesting question. Um, alive, dead, both? Dead or alive? Anyone in your imagination you choose? That's a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're thinking about like people that I just want to talk to and be like, hey, this is really cool and I'm excited about it and you should be too, it'd probably be like some of the people that, uh, that I respected and looked up to when I was younger, like the scientist Richard Feynman. Uh, but if you're talking about alive or just like someone that'd be cool to, you know, hang out with and just talk to probably like, I don't know, like Keanu Reeves or something. He seems like a cool dude. <laughs> someone outside the industry. Right. We've heard Vitalik. We've heard Satoshi. We've heard, you know, the whole slide. Real, oh, well, that's boring because they they're going to they're going to, like, you know, know their stuff. <laughs> it's so got It's like everyone, everyone tends to come up with like a new a new angle. It's great. I think Feynman and Keanu Reeves are both first. <laughs> well, there you go. I could be the uh, the strange man that did it off for a uh, crypto person there. Yeah, but I feel like you gotta you gotta pick someone that's like you know totally out of left field where they're like hearing this stuff for the first time. So one of them's dead, and the other one is very much, I, to my understanding, not in the industry. So I think those are probably the most interesting uh, ones that come to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, great answers all around and, and a phenomenal podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below, as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.